Hey. What's up? What are you doing? Sitting in bed with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me why you can't be on the show tonight. Because I'm hanging out with my wife tonight. That's respectable. It's not something right. else you're trying to hide from me? Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> I don't know. I just have to ask the question. Are you giving up on us? Oh, my God. No, dummy. Just be I honest. I have gone you... home yet this week. You know, if you were freelancing, this wouldn't be an issue. Oh, my God. Don't do this. <clears throat> okay. You recording me right now? I am recording you. I just wanted to let everybody know that you weren't going to be on the show. Do you want to say anything to our audience that will miss you? I'm sorry I couldn't be there tonight. I'm busy watching the presidents of the day with my wife. That's it. I love you all. Is there anything that you want to say to Lucas? I hope he has a good time. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm sad I don't get to hang out with this guy. But I'd rather hang out with my wife. Yeah. I love you. All right, dude. I love you. See you next week. Okay. Bye. Hey everyone, my name is Stuart Hogan. And I'm Christian Schultz. And this is good. This week, we talk with Lucas Harger. Lucas works full-time at the agency Bruden Straubi in St. Louis, Missouri. He's edited pieces for Enterprise, Purina, the NHL, and Anheuser-Busch. He's also done music videos for The Lone Bellow and Noah Gunderson. Lucas, you're here on the show. What, what are your first thoughts right now? It's good. <laughs> it's good. This is already starting out on the right foot. Isn't that the name of the show? <laughs> okay, let's get the stupid stuff out of the way and tell me how you got to editing. How did you become an editor and not like, because obviously you saw all the, all the other jobs available to you. Right. And you chose the, uh, the path less taken. Yeah. I, I think, I really think that, um, so I graduated college and I moved into St. Louis, which is where I'm at now. And I started to kind of one man band everything. And after doing all of it, for a while, um, I realized that the part that I liked the most and the part that I looked forward to most was the post. And, uh, and then, and then I slowly began to realize how much I hate being on set and how <laughs> terrible set life and just production, everything was. And I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Um, like what this, is it about being on set that you don't like? Cause this is very strange. I'm sure for a lot of people here because it's the exact opposite of what I, at least I feel, because like I can't stand editing ever. <laughs> okay. So I, it's, just, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So I totally rely on routines. And that is something that Set Life didn't, or at least shooting never really bought me. Uh, and, and I never felt like I could actually rise to the occasion or um, perform at my highest create like creative level until I got in a post. Uh, and then everything that I had shot up to that point was nothing that I wanted to see. Um, but I would, you know, help it along in post because that is where, uh, I don't know. I, ju I just had the most chops and I felt the most comfortable. Um, and so that's kind of how I slowly grew in into editing and started to edit more and more. 
um, and started to help out uh, other people. And then a big thing was, um, like, as I was deciding that I needed to specialize or I wanted to specialize and I wanted to do it in post and specifically editing, um, I got a job at a post-production house, like a production and post house here in St. Louis. And uh, as soon as I, I got an editing exclusive job, I just like really hit the ground running with editing. Yeah. And Is that Bruton Strabby? Yep. And that's where you're at now. That is where I'm at now. Dude, so, yeah, I get it. What? It, well, explain a little bit more to me about the attractive part of editing for you. Like, I know, like, you kind of, like, there's more to it than, I guess, just, like, I like the editing part of it. But, like, like what is it about, like, what attracted you to the actual act of, of editing? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was it was being able to take raw material and then craft it and form it into something uh, that was kind of finished and complete and could convey a thought even through things that are completely disjointed and unrelated like just grabbing random footage offline you can start to craft and create um, something that has a story arc or a narrative or is communicating some kind of um, point right so I think that is where I really fell in love with editing. And, and, it, and it really is that because you can take the footage and instantly go to a higher level. Obviously there's like the very technical aspect of editing, but you can take the footage um, and start to think about um, what do we want this footage to actually communicate shot by shot and frame by frame. And like, what do we want this footage to communicate? Like if we cut here, it says one thing. If we cut here, it says another right, thing. Right. Um, if we split the difference, it doesn't say anything at all. So it's like you, st you start to go frame by frame and really analyze what the footage um, is saying. And then it's the juxtaposition with images too. That is super intriguing to me if we cut from, um, you know, a garbage dump. I I'm thinking of something specifically. I cut this uh, short doc. Uh, shot in India and just this the the intro is just constant juxtaposition between the beauty of India and the slums of India mm. and so being able to take these two competing forces but draw parallels between them um, was super interesting to me not necessarily specific to that but just in editing in general and I feel like that's something that is relatively unique uh, to editing as far as in the world of filmmaking and um, film production is there's a lot of power in that. And a lot of that can be in pre-pro and um, what executed is on set, but a lot can't. a can. good editor and a great editor? Uh, in, uh, intentionality, I would say. Like being intentional about uh, the cuts that you're making and understanding that uh, one frame does matter. Um, two frames matters yeah. a lot. So you're saying like there's a diff there's a difference between like like getting a finished piece or like like getting a watchable film as opposed to like every single frame kind of meaning something. Yeah, I mean you can sequence like editors. Even, you know, bad editors, good editors, whatever, can sequence a series of images um, in their intended purpose, the way they were shot or, you know, to the script. But but great editors kind of see past a lot of, you know, this is what was supposed to happen and this is something we can communicate. And so there's like the surface level communication that um, a lot of editors can really 
um, grasp and just put it together. This is what the footage and the, the content is wanting it to say. Um, but great editors edit for the undercurrents and the through lines and the subtleties of the film, right? Uh, whether that it's documentary or narrative, like there's so many subtleties that uh, great editors can pull out. Um, and so I think that's the difference between a good editor and a great editor is being intentional at pulling out those subplots and those, those small undercurrents and through lines. Um, and actually crafting something that says a lot more than maybe what was intended or um, says just as much as the piece needs to say. And so I think it's the intentionality and like understanding that the footage is more powerful than anyone kind of ever. Yeah. Thought it. Wow, that sounded really, really hoity. No, I, th I think, well, one thing that's interesting is when you're talking about subtlety, unpack the idea of being subtle as an editor. I, th I think making the footage say something more than it was, wasn't necessarily intended to say. And so it, it's like through the juxtaposition of images um, that you can start to kind of craft these subplots in editing. Mm, okay, yeah. Um, and while the script may call for a shot that goes from, um, going back to the India example, that goes from um, the slum to the city, which is a little bit less slummy, to showing a shot from outside to uh, to then showing this beautiful kind of flowing vista with flowers and all of this other stuff happening. Um, well, that may be a logical progression and you kind of get a, a wider grasp of the surrounding areas. Um, what's interesting about the footage is that in, in India, there's the beauty and the tragedy that is kind of like crammed together and living together under one yeah. roof, right? And so you don't cut to those other things. But we explain more if we cut, it's like, but we don't need to explain more. Like if we explain less and show the juxtaposition of these two images, we communicate so much more about the state of living and the state of life for these individuals, right? And so that's like the undercurrent is like not just, you know, not just you know, journalism, right? And right, it's, right. In, in a sense, you're manipulating, but you're manipulating with a purpose and with a point. And the point and the purpose is to kind of craft these, these through lines, these, you know, subtleties, I suppose. Yeah. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. When working with a director, what makes a good director relationship for you? I think someone who's like willing to actually challenge the content um, and push the footage and push what was captured because um, it's not just footage. I mean, you, you push the audio, push the moving image, push still image, like push the mediums that are creating film, like push it to its um, to its limit and like really bend it and see if we can break it and then kind of put it back, put, put it back together. Um, so I, I think that is what helps me as a relationship for the director. But honestly, like the other thing is... Um, like, I feel it my job to keep the conversation with the director at a very high level. Uh, not the entire time. Like, there comes a point when you start talking about um, maybe some more technique and, you know, let's trim this, let's, let's push this, uh, different things. So more of the technical aspects. There's definitely a point in the process when that starts to happen with the director. But um, if we hit that point early on, during a session, like when they're sitting or um, just early on in the process period, if we're talking about those things, like I feel it a failure on my part. Like my job is to keep it at a high level. Right, right. Right. And to... And what are some of those things that you're talking about at that point? At the high level point? Right. <clears throat> I, it's... 
it's like, what do you, uh, it's, what do you want this to say? Or what are you attempting to communicate through this moment? Or what do you see in the subject's eyes? Um, what is the performance that you pulled out? Um, or here's this take versus this take. Isn't it interesting that the subject kind of turned their head a little bit and it kind of gave it a more slighted comment type vibe? And is that right. kind of the rabbit trail we want to go down? Um, what does this shot say about this character? Like, what if we cut from here to here? Um, like, we're, we're communicating this kind of higher level um, context for the film, right? And so um, you kind of start super wide at the very beginning with an editor, just really soaring meta topics that you're talking about. Like, I want the film to communicate this. And then you slowly start to, as you are getting into the editing process, you're slowly getting more and more focused. I want this act to say this, or right. I want this scene to say this. I want this three shot to say this, this one shot says this to me. Um, and like, how does that ripple throughout the entire film? Hmm. Like those are the conversations that I encourage um, and that it, I feel it's my job to really keep it there for as long as possible. Right. Um, because uh, like if we get into technical too early, you know, it's just like that, you know, that's not why you're here. That's not why I'm here. Like it's my job to take these kind of meta topics, speak into them and like push the footage to, uh, to the breaking point. Um, so I guess that's kind of, yeah. You know. Well, I think, you know, we've worked together on a feature before and the thing that I experienced like very quickly with you that I had not experienced with any other editor before, um, was that I brought up like an idea of what you're talking, like a high level idea about something, whether it was a character or something, and you very quickly, and it happened a lot, which I I ended up. <laughs> I, I no ended idea up, what you're gonna say. Yeah, I ended up loving it at the end That's of good. it because it made me, um, <clears throat> it made me pay attention to you more. But you literally just said, "No, I don't agree." You know what right. I mean? Right. Well, it's I didn't. Like you, it, <laughs> like you had taken on your own perspective of my film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you had very quickly come to a conclusion of what it, what things were about and what this person was saying and what this person wasn't saying mm -hmm. and the things that we got and the things that we didn't get. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so when I brought up something, I, I don't even remember specifically what it was, but I brought up something and you were like, mm, no, no, I don't think that. I wouldn't do that. That doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I it was didn't like, make sense. Right. <laughs> but to me, I'm like, it makes total sense. Right. Because I don't know. That's interesting. Because I don't know. Um, and it's not even like, you know, the editor is always right. Listen to your editor. But I would say However, now, the, the editor majority is, of the time. <laughs> the no, seriously. But the majority of the time, the editor usually knows more about your film than you do because he sees it and he has seen it totally objectively. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I, and by the time that directors come and kind of sit with me, uh, I have probably have more familiarity with the footage as it lives in reality than, right. uh, than they do, which... Which is um, scary. Yeah, I can see that. 
because there's a total there's a total difference than from being on set and capturing footage yeah and then obviously <clears throat> watching that footage later yes yeah, so i don't like being on set we've we've discussed how much i hate set but yeah. um but like sometimes like through uh through the production and post house you know some you know we don't go on set very often um and i think that actually helps the edit a lot uh, because you you have these little babies on set that you don't ever want to kill, right. even if it doesn't serve the cut and it's not serving the narrative or yeah. the story or the momentum, whatever. Because um, it's not necessarily, you know, it also presents itself in commercial work too. Like it's not serving the tempo or the rhythm. Um, and and if you're on set, you kind of create these little darlings that you want to see live. Yeah. Um, and and I don't like I don't care that it took you uh, ten thousand dollars and six <laughs> hours to get that shot. Like right. it's it's not working, man. It's done. See ya. And just cut right. it. Um, whereas it might be a little more difficult. But with that said, I will say like I create my own darlings in post. Sure. And you know, yeah. you know this match cut works perfectly because you know <laughs> it goes here to here, and you don't understand. And like, but we're cutting this entire sequence. <clears throat> <laughs> but so so we all we all have darlings but um but yeah no i could totally see it being i mean how was it for i mean how how was it for you like uh as a director coming in was i yeah as a director no, no, coming I think, in i understand what you're saying i think the what i immediately got from it um or what i as a director mm-hmm. you um you're 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 not getting paid, but you're getting paid. You're not always getting paid, is what I'm saying. But mm. you're getting paid to have, or try and have the best decision. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you are in charge of making the decision. Right. So inevitably, when you open your mouth and you say a decision, typically people, either crew members or producers or whatever clients or whatever they're saying okay he's done this a million times he said he he knows what he's doing mm. and then when you say an idea they're usually like cool do that right. you know what i mean yeah. so it was one of the it was one of the first times that i think i worked with like a real editor you know what i mean <laughs> I um and it was very clear and maybe that's not the experience that i would have with another editor that's been doing it for 40 plus years or something like that like he maybe has a different approach but at least the approach that I have with you, and I ended up loving it, was like I'd say something, but at towards the end of our like whatever four days of, of right. review or whatever yeah. it was, yeah, um, you like I I started like thinking about what I was about to mention more mm. so than I did before, you know what I mean? Because right. it very it'd be very much like I'd see something and like I it would irk me. And yeah. I wouldn't know what it was, and I would just say something so that we would talk about it right. without actually having an answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But towards the end of it, I was like, hold on, I, I need to have a really good point, and I need <laughs> to have, like, a really good solution for this point. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not big <clears throat> enough for me to talk about. Okay, interesting. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah Is totally. that not intentional for you? No, it's totally intentional. And, and I think... Um, a lot of a lot of times when I uh, say no, I, I disagree with that. I think it needs to be like this. I'm not necessarily saying that my way is the right way or a better way, but I'm I'm inviting conflict, like not not 
knockout, yeah. drag them to the back alley conflict. But like, I don't it's agree. Like, it's like conflict that moves the ball forward. Totally. Because yeah. I, I tend to be like, I disagree because of this, this, and this. Like, I don't think this should exist here. And I, th- I feel like that's usually what it is. Like, I disagree. I think it needs to be gone because of this, this, and this. Um, and if a director, I'm not necessarily saying he was like, no, I want it uh, for reasons that I can't articulate. It's like, well, you lose. Yeah. <laughs> you have to articulate. Um, right. And some, and that might not fly <laughs> with some directors. Like, for a, with a lot of people that I've worked with, uh, it has. And it's kind of this, uh, we use these disagreements or uh, this little bit of friction to, like you said, move the ball forward or move the plot or move the scene uh, because, man, every single shot has to matter in some way. Like, it has to matter in some way. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so that friction kind of, kind of pushes it to, to that next to matter. And even, even if it's not, like, completely necessary for a massive plot or a subplot or any of these things, it's like it has to matter to a feeling or it has to matter to a pacing or it has to matter to a vibe. Like these are things that are also important in film. Um, And that like every shot has to count for something. Uh, Yeah. And if, and if it doesn't count for for something, and there and you can kind of like make up arguments, but you can spot them, and directors can feel them, um, and editors can feel them when it's like you know I'm just making up something because I like this shot, yeah. like it doesn't really <laughs> serve the film, right? Uh, and I just yeah. cut it, and just get it out of there. <laughs> I don't like it. Okay, so tell me, as somebody that maybe is a one man band, director, editor, they're they're not doing big brands and they're not doing, you know, um, stuff where they need someone like you that's an editor. So how does somebody start thinking of their footage in that way? And they don't have the opportunity to see things objectively. Just find an editor. No, I get no, I mean, <laughs> I get it. It's for me, uh, I view my position as very, um, I have to take it seriously Right. And I have to take it uh, with a lot of respect to everybody else that has contributed to the process. But I feel that I am the true first audience of any film hmm. that comes okay. in. Like I am the first audience. And that's a huge honor. And uh, it's something that I approach footage with a lot of respect is like I am the first audience and I need to respect the second audience. Right. Which is yeah. the, which is the end audience. And so I think for somebody who's one man banding and needs to uh, just kind of do everything from start to finish and they're editing the same footage that they cut it's like put yourself in that first audience with the second audience in mind right and like latch on to huh. those latch on to those moments and latch on to the real things that are happening in the footage and be like you know i felt something when i saw that or like i can't believe this is actually happening on screen or i can't believe i actually captured that like little little kind of tingles that are like wow that's cool like that is something that's really important right like hold on to that and then your entire cut kind of starts to act as a support to get you from these moments that you kind of felt that vibe right right and so you start to craft a cut around um, it's, it's just all keeping the audience in mind. I'm not even close to the first person to say this kind of stuff, but right. it's just keeping the end audience in mind as you cut. 
right? And, and so view yourself as the first audience, um, the first person seeing this footage. And, and so what I do, like I'll sit down and watch footage um, and I just watch it. Like, okay, here's something. Don't just start cutting. Like, right. it's the quickest way to ruin something. But sit down, I sit down and, and just watch the footage <clears throat> and I look for those first audience feelings, right? And it's like, wow, when I feel myself like enthralled or in, like just completely glued to the screen on this raw take, it's like I write that down. Like that's super hmm. important. Um, Can you give an example of something maybe recently? So there's this doc that I was cutting and th there was this, this is interaction. The, this is a doc that me and you ha worked on. Right, right. Week. Yep. Yeah. So there's this interaction that kind of um, begins to happen between these two people. Um, and it goes from a very surface level conversation. And then all of a sudden it starts to take this like deep turn and starts to get pretty confrontational between these two people. And like two minutes into the confrontation, I found myself just com like not even paying attention to the cinematography or the lighting right. or anything like that. Like I found myself completely um, taken aback by what was happening on screen. And it's like, that is, is what is happening. Like there's this other thing, kind of the same interaction um, between, it was with on a, a different doc that I cut. Um, and there was this conversation between uh, a son and a mother, and it started to get a little real. And it was, and, and again, I just found myself completely drawn into um, what was actually happening. And it's like those moments are the things that I'm talking about that um, as a first audience, you kind of jot that down and you, you put it in your back pocket and you save it for later and you can start to build these scenes. I feel like a lot of acts or scenes are, for me, are really built around those first audience notes. Hmm. So it's kind of like doing your best. And I know you don't direct, but if I'm interpreting what you're saying, but it's kind of like if you are editing your own piece, and I would totally agree um, with you on like in the intention of going into an edit and you're having to edit it and your director or you shot it or something like that. Um, at the same time, I will say it's so incredibly hard <laughs> yeah. to not like, like you're saying, those like those little moments or those darlings that you were talking about. Like, right. I have to, that point in which even sometimes where it's like that point in which that person started tearing up, you know what I mean? Right. Or that point yeah. when someone breaks down, that didn't have mm. anything to do with the story. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah. I'm like, but it's, but it's one of those moments. Like you have to keep that in. And it is so incredibly hard to not see it, to see it ob objectively. And like, um, but I think like what you're on to is kind of like a good thing to always keep in mind is like, see it for the first time. You know what I mean? Right. Or like, see it with the end audience in mind. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, like the, the, the thing that you were mentioning about the two characters yeah. It kind of turned confrontational. Like when we were shooting that, in no way did we think that it felt that way. Interesting. Like in in no way was I sitting like behind the camera or like to the side of the camera being like, holy shit, we have gold. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like oh my gosh, this is it. This is like the movie. It's interesting. You know what I mean? That's Which because is, the entire cut builds up to that. Like everything right. <laughs> in the entire feature documentary is in right. support of what happens in the final five minutes. Right. 
And it's so, but it's so interesting. Like, I think, I mean, obviously when you, you go back to that stuff in the edit room, you feel it for the first time. I think there's, as a director, if I'm editing something, um, there's like very obvious moments where like this, I feel I am, I'm getting goosebumps or I'm tearing up while they're talking. Like, I guess what, what, what you're saying is like, take those natural feelings and like, those are the points in your film that you need to start building around. Yeah, totally. And here, okay. So here's a question. Like as a director who's going in and editing their own stuff, do you watch every bit of raw footage again? Even (laughs) be honest, (laughs) I will say I've seen a lot of different directors do different things. I've seen people watch everything at like a two times speed. Uh, I've watched certain people um, just start, just go into something and just start cutting, like you said not to. I've seen that happen before. Um, But for me, I think I like at the same, I'm kind of like you in a sense of like if the project file is like a mess, then like I I can't do the thing. I can't do it. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Especially sure. if you're working with like a team or something like that. If someone can't visibly just automatically see what you did, then mm-hmm. like you didn't you didn't do it right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So like I literally spend an entire day um if there's if there's like external audio files, we use mm-hmm. like an audio guy. I just spend a whole day and like make sure that stuff is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a, it's like building, it's like lining up all your tools. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I tried something for the first time this episode and I'm going to test it out on you, but I asked a question. I sent out a tweet for some questions for you. Oh, wow. All right. Um, so I kind of think we should kind of use some of these. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do the first one because he's a friend of ours and his name's Ryan Booth. Ryan Booth. I know Ryan Booth. <laughs> Ryan asked a very good question. He said, what is the difference between good notes and bad notes? This is something that <sighs> no, I think no. is like really insightful from you. <laughs> good notes we, and cause, bad Because we notes. had a conversation today about a film and yeah. I, I left the conversation feeling like it gave you a shit ton of bad notes. <laughs> like just very like I was like somewhat like aggravated during today and like I, I wasn't in the best like spirits and I got on the phone with you and I think you got the blunt of it. Well, <laughs> you're forgiven. You're, <laughs> you're not asking for it, but you're forgiven. You don't have to be forgiven. It's cool. I like aggravated Christian. Um, okay, what is what is it? Let's just break it down. What is yeah. a bad note? Uh, wow. Uh, bad note includes so nothing is exclusive, but it, bad notes can include um, like very specific how to do this, this, and this. Right. So um, while not speaking, not speaking to the heart of the issue with the cut or with this sequence or with these few shots, right? It's like, it doesn't feel right. If you make the cuts quicker, it'll feel right. it's like, no, I tried to make the cuts quicker and it doesn't feel right. It's like, what is the thing that you're getting hung up on? Like, what is the heart 
of what you're getting hung up on. It's not just that it's going too slow, right? It's like I'm starting to feel a little bit of an emotional drag. And I think it might be a little bit counterintuitive because uh, for people giving notes and because they tend to feel like they need to go specific. And yeah. when people start to go specific, they go to like actionable things, which there are some huge, great notes that are given that are actionable. And a lot depends on like what you're cutting and like a commercial verse of feature something like that. Right. So there's a, a lot of differences. Um, but I tend to want to know, like, what is the vibe you're missing or the mood or the purpose of this sequence? and the sequence is not hitting that purpose, like what yeah. is that, right? So what you're saying is like don't treat you like – don't treat an editor like an engineer. Like a wrist, like just a wrist, yeah. Yeah, okay. Totally, yeah. And and I think um, it's really like – you know, treat – I feel like you uh, treat them as almost an extension of your vision for the piece, Right. And right. they can press into your vision and morph the vision and a better vision can come out the other end. Right. Um, um, and so give notes and in, think, in that vein. I don't know why it's – why do you feel like it's – that's kind of like the natural tendency like you guys um, – <clears throat> So like, people – okay. People go specific because they don't know what they want. And they tend right. to feel um, – they feel – bad or insecure or they don't know that they don't know what they want. Right. And so they they think that they must have something very specific, very actionable feedback that will fix this. Um, and also, this is just a pet peeve, um, w when people give notes with the assumption that this is the first thing you ever tried cutting for <laughs> for this section. Wait, what do you mean? Well, it's like, okay, so you see this cut that I have sent you, uh, and just j to just be like, uh, okay, yeah, but do this, do make the, you know, do these cuts a little quicker and try to create a little more rhythm and pace. It's like, well, I tried that. Yeah. I already tried that. Like, I, this isn't the first thing that I cut. Well, are like, you saying, are you this saying isn't that the you, first state of the cut? Like so I've are you done saying a lot as, of as an editor though, that you, anytime that you give somebody something to watch, it's the best that you can make it. It's not the best that I can make it. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So it's not the best that I can make it, but it's gotten to a point where I now need, uh, I now need a conversation with the director. Like we've gotten to a point in the road where so many of these different variables can go this way, that way, this way, this way, Even this way, that way. Even if it feels bad. Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Like if I submit a cut to a director to watch something for the first time, it is in no way the best that I can make it. But it's I have come to a fork in the road at m multiple stages in the cut where major decisions need to be made. Uh, they might not be like week long decisions, but intentionality of the film and what you're attempting to communicate, like decisions like that need to be made at multiple points in the piece. So at that point, what do you want to hear from a director? Let's talk like about my, it. My, well, yeah, like my natural thing is like if you're saying – you know, that's what's being communicated to me is like, hey, I've gotten to this point. Watch it. Tell me what you think. 
Right. And like, obviously it's a rough, obviously it's not the right. best. It's not, we're not going to put it out like this. So my like initial thing is like, oh no, Lucas needs help. Lucas, do you not see this? Only if it would just cut, like if you make this faster, if you cut this faster, if you add more VL here, you know what I mean? Right. You start acting, you start doing like, oh no, like, like, uh, not like, oh no, like Lucas sucks, but it's like, oh no, like how do we fix this? Right. And when you go yeah. to like fixing mode, it's mm-hmm. totally different than like concept mode. Right. So like, I guess what do you, what would be to you like the what my natural response would be? Uh, to watch it, <laughs> which sounds obvious, but you know not to everybody like to watch it and to actually think about some moments within that and like I think what I uh after submitting like a first cut and I know or I've come to know uh and I've come to learn that uh and and this this is something that I didn't know uh the first time or the second time and I feel like only recently have I begun to understood that when a director watches a first cut from an editor, uh, it's like the most terrifying thing for that director. Yeah, no, one agree. of the most terrifying things for that director, <laughs> and and I just had no idea uh, because I'm relying on process and I'm relying on the this is the stage of the process that we're at, and now we need to go through this. And well, then because after- what happens with the director when he gets a first cut, and this is obviously my pers- my personal experience, but it's kind of the same exactly what you just said. Whenever I get a first cut from an editor, it's like, did I win or did I lose? Because if the editor, like if a paid professional that's been doing this for years cannot give me something that's like um, perfect, and this is so selfish and so like insecure sounding, but it's so true. If like a paid professional cannot like give me the film that I thought that I wanted or had, then I've then I, I missed it. Hmm. You know what I mean. But the but first, but the first cut is only the begin is like really the beginning. Right, but like naturally, whenever you, it's like writing a song and you show it to somebody, and they say, "Yeah, but just work on this." Like, oh, this could be better. Oh, what if you just change the lyrics here, or what if it built here instead of built? There? You're like, right. But I wrote a song. Right. And like, I just want you to sit there. And I just want you to enjoy it. And I want it to be perfect without working for it. <laughs> yeah, I want it to be perfect without like spending the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like mm-hmm. I, I guess in the in the post side of things, the it feels like the work, like the hard work is supposed to be over. But like literally, like that's when it starts. Totally. Like for yeah. my yeah, and the, the hard work and, like, the long work, like, uh, what takes a month to shoot, a week to shoot, two days to shoot, will take a year to cut, six months right. to cut, you know, a month to cut or, or, or whatever. So, yeah, it's definitely a long game. But I, that's interesting. So, for me, the first cut, I, I guess, if I had to put it into a little bit more consumable terms, the first cut would be um, more of an invitation like now That's is the time. That's a good way to put it, Lucas. <laughs> Whatever. It's like now I'm is. I'm serious. The, That's like a good way. Well, I'm then why did you laugh head. when you said that's a good way <laughs> to put it? Because it was such a sweet and like thing you had to say. A, it's more of an invitation. That's so invi- sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, explain what you mean. 
All I mean is I get the footage and I want you to go away. I want you to go away. Like you producers, you directors, you yeah. everybody else who's had any have had anything to do with it. Like you you have to go away and now I, and now let me just sit with the footage completely blank slate and let me cut. If there are scripts and treatments, yada, yada, like that's the stuff I also obviously want to see and will inform a lot. Like I don't want to be completely dropped in to the deep end with no understanding of the footage, but I want to take a week or two weeks or, you know, however long the piece is, is going to determine how long this first stage is. But I want to be able to take the footage and let the footage kind of direct me and to cut itself right and then the and then I send this first cut to the director and it's like when I send that first cut it's like and now we can start to discuss in real terms what we have here and what we want to have and what are the subplots and what are the uh the moods and the themes that we want to communicate through the piece yeah okay next one this is from a guy named Simon Cade, C-A-D-E. I'm not really sure how you say his last name. I think this is more of a practical tip, which I think we can get to, but he just asks, do you have any tips for making invisible cuts or like rhythm and eye lines, stuff like that? Letting the camera kind of motivate the cut helps a lot with that, um, whether it's kind of – like the camera dips down after a take or the camera dips down after a moment. Uh, like so often I get to the end of footage and they're pulling the camera away. And I'm like, no, the, the best part is about to happen. Why are you pulling the camera away? And it's like, don't you see that? It's, it's, it's about to happen. Um, you fool. <laughs> you're a fool. You call yourself a filmmaker. Um, no, I, so, but I use a lot of, um, I use a lot of the movement on the screen to inform the cuts, whether it's like the camera dipping or it's a subject making a sudden movement or turning of the head and like using, you can call them like match cuts, right? So like right. using the movement on the screen to inform the cut and like you can't do that all the time. And you Dude, can, one thing that I noticed that you do is you like reverse, you like, um, what do you call it? You like horizontally flip images all the time. Yeah, I do do that a lot. Yeah. But there, it's never like an entire scene or something. It's always no, just yeah. like in a montage type thing or whatever. Right. Like you're flipping and you're flipping things all the time just yeah. to match things. And it's kind of, that's one thing that I took away from just even sitting and watching you. Huh. Yeah, I do. Yeah. To match the movement or to, to match the, uh, to, to like match the flow of the screen, right? It's like one of uh, Walter Murch's six. Six modes for like a good cut uh, is eye movement and eye trace and like where the eye, where the viewer's eye is on the screen. Um, and like if you're leading it around the screen in kind of a fluid mo motion to like where you're placing the subject in the screen, uh, that creates a completely different feel as opposed to like an action sequence where the subject is in the upper right hand and then now the lower left hand, you kind of create this like disjointed feeling. And so it really kind of depends on the, atmosphere, the vibe and the mood that you want to create in that moment. Um, and so for a lot of times when I'm horizontally flipping things or mirroring or speed ramping or any of that stuff, it's like for a montage, I want, say for a montage, I were to want the flow of the screen to just be very fluid and just to kind of move around, um, 
Like, the, I horizontal flip for that all the time. Give me your, like, top two or three films. Not, like, your favorite films, but, like, for just editing purposes. Oh, man. Um, like, just ones that you go to automatically when you go home or you need to feel inspired or you need to, like, um, yeah, just feel inspired about something. So this isn't at all i'm not i i am not going to get super film history here sure. um not. yeah I'm, i you know <laughs> but for me uh i think a huge one especially as it relates to dark work uh and just working within the limits and wh- like how much editing can contribute to to the process is like chef's table has some amazing examples okay. of uh just letting things breathe uh and letting the viewer kind of take in the scenery and they build uh a world quite quickly uh but they also get a hook in the audience right to why you care about this character like if there's one thing that i struggle I, like every editor, i mean this is this is editing you know, at fundamentally for characters and stuff, but like, how do you make the audience care so much about a subject as quickly as possible? Right. Like that is super difficult. Um, and, and, and they do it like they, they nail it quickly. And so like, while that's not like super film history and it's not like, you know, I can also list all of like, I don't know, you should read a lot of Walter Murch books, but, um, there is just something so beautiful about Chef's Table and how they portray story and how they get you to care about the character. Because I found myself caring about these chefs when, like, I, I am, I don't, I hate right. cooking. I don't like, yeah. you know, I'm not a foodie, and none of that interests me at all. Yet for some reason, I'm binge watching the show about chefs. Like, yeah. there's there's something to that, and there's something there. Um, and the fact that it is like these chefs on these isolated uh, shows and every single time they get you to care about them. Super, yeah. super amazing. Um, so that I think that's something. I mean, there's just some great. And that's not even like on a crazy level either. No, it's not. It's, it's, a, totally, it's, it's Netflix, totally attainable. Yeah. And, I mean, and they're, they're using like they, they're probably using this. They're having the same timelines that I'm working with. They're probably using the same totally. cameras. They're yeah. probably having the same kind of relationships that I'm having, but yeah. what are they and doing different? Totally. And that's, and that's what I mean by like attainable. And it's something like, honestly, it's the lessons that you could glean from the structure or the technique used in a lot of those episodes is completely applicable to commercials. It's completely, uh, completely applicable to corporate videos or to music video. I mean, like, yeah, they're very basic and fundamental uh, techniques that are kind of drawn out to a great extent, and they do it very masterfully. And and I mean, they're not the most amazing, masterful works of editing art, um, but they do very basic things very, very well. Yeah. No, that's such a good example. Now that you say it. Dude, thanks so much for coming on the show. Did you have fun? Was this interview, how was this, how was this interview for you? It was good. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. I nailed it. (laughs) Okay. I'm the first guest to nail that. (laughs) Literally nailed it. (laughs) Seriously. Could not have gotten better. All right, dude. That's it, man. 
You can learn more about Lucas at his website, lucasjharger.com. This episode was mixed by Christian Stropko, or as we like to refer to him, Christian number two. Our show is edited by Olivia Londa. As always, our music today was created by Cubby. That's Cubby with two Bs. You can check out more of his stuff on CubbySounds.com. Our show is produced by Will Meyer, and our good podcast logo was designed by Eric Hurchin. Also, you can find all of our show notes and other fun stuff at goodthepodcast.com.